Okay, so it's been a few months since my last entry. I actually just got back from LA and, well, let's just say that AI will be a short chapter in music evolution. But in order for me to let you know more about that, we have to get back to Letty. She is at the center of this. Hold on, I need to make sure that my sonic biometric encryption is still running this file. Okay, looks like we're good. This is log Lima 371, entry two, our first breakthrough. So as you might've guessed, after Letty told me about what had happened and her conviction that she was responsible for saving Bastion's life, I had questions. We spent the next few days going over and over the details of that night. Sahara and I even went to Bastion's LA home with a battery of equipment to see if there was anything that would point us to what had happened. It was so strange being in a normal place where an extraordinary thing took place without knowing what to look for. Sahara did have some keen observations about how sound travels though and how that might help us. She mentioned that thin reflective objects like glass can retain acoustic information because of their behavior when sound passes through them. That if vibrations from a sound were strong and consistent enough, the resonant frequencies would get trapped in the surface and that those frequencies can be retrieved if you knew what you were looking for. I watched her work like a wizard, but the results were inconclusive. She suspected that the music from that night muddled the signal. So we didn't find any answers that day, impressive as the science was. It wouldn't be until the day of our first breakthrough when we'd be confronted with the true nature of what had happened that night. After Bastion's room was a dead end, we focused on Letty. Getting started, the hypothesis was her emotional state coupled with the panic she felt that night acted as a catalyst or at the very least played a role in the ordeal. But at the time, so close to the actual event, which we thought would help, proved too much for Letty. Even approaching the same heightened state of anxiety and desperation made breathing, let alone humming, very difficult. So we made changes and focused specifically on her vocal abilities. We wanted to understand if there was anything unique about Letty's voice that triggered the response from Bastion. Studies have shown that specific frequencies and patterns can trigger physiological responses in humans, so cardiac resuscitation didn't feel like that much of a leap. While I learned that Letty's raw vocal ability was far superior than veteran vocalists, there wasn't anything in what we studied from her voice that could link back to what she described had happened. It didn't take long before we had felt we exhausted every method to recreate the phenomena. At least, that's what Letty and I felt. Sahara remained confident, a little weary, but she persisted, sharing that she had an idea we hadn't tried. Not really. On the day of the breakthrough, Sahara had made a few changes to the sound lab. She had removed a bulk of the sensory equipment used to detect even the faintest frequencies and replaced them with the strangest mic I had ever seen. It was a cone-shaped apparatus with its opening at least a foot wide. 
it had thick long cables running from its back into a massive metallic black box with several cooling units attached to its side. It was the most bizarre thing. Sahara even dimmed the lights and added a single teal light directly above the setup. It looked like a bizarre 90s science fiction open mic scene and Letty settled into it with ease. I almost thought she had dressed for the occasion, hair tied up in poof, just like Sahara's with a white bandana, large hoop earrings, oversized hoodie, everything your artsy young adult protagonist needs. Anyways, she was more intrigued with the microphone, if you could call that thing that, than worried. Even as Sahara attached leads to her temples and the sides of her jaw and neck that connected to the stem of the canonical recording device, she eyed it with curiosity and anticipation. Usually, we'd have her run through a series of melodies with words that were selected for their tonal inflections. I won't bore you with the technicalities, but essentially, they were words that would stress the highs and lows of her vocal range. Instead, Sahara instructed Letty to be a, a little more free and to hum the melody of what she had been working on. See, while we were working on the science side of the phenomena, Letty was exploring the expression. She tried to find the exact harmonies she hummed and later figured that maybe writing a song would help her not only process her emotions, but help her rediscover the chords of what she hummed. Sitting in the recording booth, blue light, alien microphone, Letty found her groove. She allowed her voice to naturally find the harmonies rather than overthink them as she was prone to doing lately. In the middle of a beautiful rift, Sahara asked Letty to keep her eyes closed and visualize that night, the backyard, and the face of the person who whispered in her ear. Something of a whimper and Letty clearing her throat broke the soothing melody. As I was going to remind Sahara that this didn't end well the first time around, she began to reassure Letty. You told me that if you could walk through it, you could finish the song. I want you to try. I'll make sure you're okay, Sahara said. She was so sure, but nothing up until that point had worked, so I was confused as to why she was so confident this would be it. Sahara looked at Letty with a mixture of sadness and resolve. Letty, you can't stop. There were moments when I felt like a third wheel since Letty and Sahara were basically family, and that moment in the layers of what wasn't said in the looks exchanged, I never felt more alone in that room. But it worked. Letty sat up straight on the stool, brushed away the tears, and began humming again. And Sahara continued. I need you to remember the air outside that night, the taste of the drink on your tongue, the stairs leading to Bastion's room, the dull thump of your heart beating against your chest, the shadows cast on Bastion's frame as he lay motionless. Every grisly detail Sahara had Letty relive as though she were there with her. At that point, I didn't know who was in more pain, Letty or Sahara. Letty's hum wasn't nearly as confident as it had been before. The wave signals on Sahara's terminal, which I assumed were from the leads on Letty's face, were erratic. I braced myself for the panic to win. You're doing great, Sahara said. 
trying to choke back emotions herself. I wasn't so sure she was. That warm core in your center, focus on it. Reach for it, Sahara instructed. And after a moment, Letty's harmonies found their footing and suddenly her voice filled the room. I mean, it filled the room. A rich and deep vibration lacquered with honey saturated the air. It extended past the monitors outside the recording booth. I wasn't even sure the monitors were producing the sound. It was so present. It was everywhere, all at once. I couldn't even hear my own thoughts. It was Letty and only Letty. I understood when Bastion said he heard the sound in his own head. It was enrapturing, intoxicating. It bent colors and warped perception. In that moment, I could do anything or be anything for Letty. As I felt the command of my own desires and will begin to slip into a euphoric void, it ended. Letty was on the floor of the recording booth, stool toppled over, trying to bring herself upright. Dazed, I followed after Sahara to help Letty up. Semi-lucid, we guided Letty out of the booth and onto the sectional in the lab. She couldn't stay upright, her eyes and frame heavy with fatigue. She mumbled repeatedly, I did it, I did it, until she drifted off into sleep. I sat next to her, trying to grasp what had just happened, what I felt, Letty's voice, the void. The back of my head throbbed, but the rest of me, I felt rejuvenated. The best I felt in years, every sense was heightened, including my emotions. They laid on the top of my consciousness, turbulent, elated, unfiltered, exposed like a nerve. And that's when I felt it, her gaze. Sahara had been eyeing me for a moment, her critical eye watching for my reaction. She had expected something from me, a, a behavior, a response, something she already knew she would feel herself. You knew, I said. My mind had somehow assembled the pieces before the words even left my mouth. You knew, and you didn't say anything for weeks. Sahara didn't reply, but sat by my side and buried her face in her hands. When she finally looked up, I knew something was wrong. I need to tell you something, both of you. Her eyes focused on Letty and then on me, a grave sadness and fear etched into her face.